Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. And we encourage people through this show in other ways for you to tell coincidence stories to each other, to your friends, your relatives, and also to write them down. Our guest today has written his own coincidence diary full of synchronicities and serendipities. Uh, like David Hench, if you remember to write your stories down, you can read them later, and you will probably see patterns you would have not otherwise seen. David Hench was a lifelong poker player. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we got a poker player on this show. He, he wrote a poker humor column uh, back, in the, back in the day called The Joker Journal and later compiled them into a book, which I've read some of. You got to be a poker player to understand some of the jokes. But it's, he's a funny guy, ladies and gentlemen, and maybe you'll see how funny he is in this show. But he's clever with words and clever with ideas. And this book, The, Co the Poker World According to Cinch, which is his nickname, uh, got some real humor in it, but it, it gets you right into what it's like to be a poker player. He, he was pretty heavy into it. But for some reason, he's reformed. <laughs> he's a reformed poker player. And currently, he is a writer of spiritual and inspirational human interest sport and sports stories about sports and humor. He, he, his site is sojournal-publications.com. In his writing now, he advocates for the true self of people. He thinks that very few people get enough of that. He's, of course, he's right. So, David Hench, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be on. Been a big fan of your show and your books and your columns, and uh, great to be on. Yeah, and, and how did we make contact? How did that happen? I'm sure I ran across a YouTube video at some point when I was doing my research for my synchronicity uh, after I did my journal and outlined all my experiences with it. Then I was looking for theories about it, and you were one of the ones that came up, you know, right from the top. And somehow you sent me your book, your first book, though, I mean, the book about coincidences that we'll be talking about me and my sinks uh you may be old enough to know there's an old song called me and my shadow no no who did uh, it's in a 40 song me and my shadow walking along the avenue uh so this is a uh, david hench walking along with his kind of shadow his synchronicity shadow and yeah. Uh, lots of stories in there. So, 
you were telling me earlier how you got to writing these things down. So tell, tell us how that happened. It was interesting. Uh, I'm on a, on Facebook on a group, uh, the synchronicity group. Uh, we just, some of us post on there and, you know, odd things here and there. And one of the ladies had posted that she was doing a journal, a diary of her writing them down. I don't know if she had the intent of doing a book or not, but she said, you know, and she encouraged me. She said, and we didn't hardly know each other other than just posting. And she said, well, why don't you start writing them down? Do it. Joker, I mean, a journal or a diary. And I said, well, I sure wish I had always done that. But, uh, you know, I, there's so many now that so many years ago that I'll never come up with much of it. She and she, she but she said, no, nope, I bet I bet you if you try, it will it will come to you. And it sure did. Once I started writing them down many from years, years ago, it had been a thread, a bit of a thread through my life to a point where I had a term for it, not knowing the Jungian discipline and, and terminology of synchronicity, I called them fractals. Fractals being a thing which I thought this sort of connotes to me, a little snippet part of the whole which indicates something about a greater whole, a fractal. And I think maybe uh, that's a little bit what it is in, in physics or mathematics. Uh, uh, it, it's related to that anyway. So I was using that term and eventually uh, I did start writing them down and they came to me from uh, years ago and from current. And as uh, in the cosmic trigger, Anton Wilson says, and once you start paying attention, it will start paying attention to you. And I found that very, very uh, apropos. And, uh, you know, like with anything else, there's a bias to where if you're looking for something, you're going to find it more. But there's also there might be a two ends to that where it's some something there is uh, it might be two ends and not just all on one side. You know, Yeah, it might be looking for you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I've got stories like that where it seems to be that the thing is looking for you or a person, too, is uh -huh. looking for you. And oh, great. one! my favorite one. 15 seconds, the Howard Carter thing with King Tut's tomb. I wrote years ago in a paper, it was like the tomb was hounding the guy. And it went on for years and years and years and years, you know, the 1922. And it was, I was a little bit into Egyptology. It was just a very mystical, fascinating thing. And at some point I said, that tomb was hounding that guy. And at the last second, at the last second, when his financial guy was saying, okay, I'm out. We spent too much money. We're never going to find this thing. He found it. And so it's a great story. Just relates perfectly to what you said. Like, it's not always you seeking. It's 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 the universe is sending it to you. Come on, find me. You know, find me. I love that. I love that perspective. Well, a lot of people have it, and uh, it's an interesting way of thinking about things. About mm -hmm. all of this, uh, it, it, we tend to have a. It's all about me thing, uh, and I made it happen, or the universe made it happen, or something but it's all about me and to think that there's something else out there that is looking for you uh is which is and you're looking for it uh it's uh it's and not it's a nice thing uh, and it can be in true in romance as well as finding out stuff um as well as looking for things so it's it's a way of believing about the world that somehow this uh, reinforced. Yes. One and, of your guests on your show, I uh, couldn't name him off the top of my head, but he was right along this line that, uh, you know, 
it's a two-way street you know uh there's something yeah. in the universe trying to trying to produce this it's not just all it's not just coincidence well tell us uh, where you are david i mean uh, we see you in a room <coughs> there's a door back there but uh where's your location I'm in a condo. I'm in my condo. I just moved cross country. I'm in uh, Kentucky where I uh, was lifelong until I went to Florida for about 10 years. And all these uh, sinks started raining on me in Florida. It was a new life path. It was a new trans, very much a transitional life path, as you write about in your book, Synchronicity. And as Gibbs Williams, one of your great guests, writes, is a big believer that it's about transition and psychoanalytic things where these synchronicities start coming in and your mind is making them up. Anyway, so I'm in Kentucky. I'm in my condominium, um, uh, and, uh, and can you see a couple Joker statues behind me? Can you see that? That's my trickster stuff. Can you see uh, bring it, bring them up closer so we can see them. Can I grab them? Yeah. Anyway, I had a a, a Joker collection. That's just a, a Joker base. Uh, because I wrote that poker humor column and it was just natural for me to be collecting jokers all the while I'm scoffing at the concept as I said in my book of the Jungian concept and of the trickster I just I thought it sounded fanciful you know like a fairy tale like a, you know like a Cinderella or something but I would never be uh, dismissive of something like that Jungian but I was about that yet all the while I'm writing a poker humor column. I'm on this very, uh, this tack of very unconventional, you know, the special probability as compared to general probability. You know, you roll a dice, one in six, it's going to be a one. One in six, it's going to be a two, et cetera. If you uh, seven straight reds on the roulette wheel does not mean the eighth one is more likely to be black. That's your general probability. But the special probability, which ties in so well with a trickster, is what I'm writing about. Yet I'm saying to myself all these years, trickster, yeah, right, you know, abominable snowman, trickster, you know, or what's a, you know, Loch Ness monster, not real. But at the same time, I had a house full of Joker statues and I'm writing this stuff that in retrospect could be trickster stuff. I believe it is now. I believe it is now trickster archetype. Well, you've had a few tricksters tricking you uh, on the poker table, and it's it's a as we get into some of what of some of the stories that you have. Um, how did you get to be a poker player, David? Well, uh, there's a lot of more famous cases of me of guys who dropped out of school and started playing poker. And uh, some of the biggest names in the poker world, you know, and I wouldn't even compare myself to them, but I can say the names. But uh, it happens. Uh, I I don't say I recommend it particularly, but uh, it certainly is a rife uh, arena for synchronicitous occurrences because you're in the world of probability if and where coincidence and odds and special odds are in the air. And with millions of trials, you know, over 30, 40 years, you got millions of different trials and some weird stuff's going to happen. And some weird, impossible patterns might happen. And along with uh, synchronicities and uh, coincidences, just, you just get the feeling it can't be random. At the end of my poker career, I'm proud of my statements that was poker players laughed at. 
my statement was this game is uh let me get it right it's probability but it's not random exactly this game is probabilistic but it's not random meaning the result and that's a great way to say it to what i'm trying to express anyway is that yes there's a science of probability that describes all this but that just like with the quantum world uh a deep meaning and a reason and sense can come out of the randomness yeah we don't know exactly what random means there's a lot of unknown stuff in in the word random for us right and uh, so so this is kind of how i think about it <laughs> yeah uh, the idea as our audience can see is here's a guy who's in a field um that's circumscribed where a lot of numbers are taking place a lot of turnover, a lot of possibilities, a lot of probabilities, a lot of potential synchronicities, uh, coincidences, serendipities happening, and they happen fast because it's not, uh, it's, coincidences happen when two things cross, two or more things cross. Uh, and that's, you have to have them crossing somehow within a short period of time. On the poker table, that's happening all the time. Right. Cards are crossing across each other and mm -hmm. stuff happens. And the idea that there could be something else besides probability, and most people think there is. I mean, there's people watching tells from the other guys. Right, right. Uh, Huge psychology in the game. Huge. Yeah. Plenty of psychology. Uh, and there's, uh, there's this intuition thing, too going on yes. and you describe in one of your in one of your stories uh, that you a number 37 that you were able to call a card up before it was shown yeah that's a weird one that's a weird one well tell us about that one okay it's happened many times uh and uh, now of course what you have to factor in here, it's a little bit like that football catch I described. You, it's in the moment. You normally would never even try to predict what card is coming off. I mean, you, you, you know what the possibilities are, you're, but you're not naming a specific card. But it happens once in every great while you just name you, you go ahead and say it. You say it out loud because you have a strong feeling. And this happens in losing streaks. You have a strong feeling that the war, it's pure intuition that the worst possible card is going to come for your hand. This is exactly how it happens with me. So you figure what that card you deduce because you've got your hand, you've got the flop. Now you're talking, the money's going in, you've got the turn in the river coming. And those are the key cards. And what is the worst card possible for this hand? And uh, when that starts, there, there's almost like a streak to it that's alive. And only an intuitive person would say this now and a, and a very linear ABC, even expert player in that regard, would scoff. Maybe like I scoffed at the trickster. But you can get in these runs where you your intuition is powerful about what's going to happen next. Now, what you're feeling is the result of what's going to happen next. So then you deduce from there, okay, well, this card, you know, if it would make sense, the result, if this particular card came. And it's happened on TV several times where these big name players I'm, uh, I've mentioned before, not their names, but called the turn in the river card exactly. 
And I, what was the odds on that? It was something like it's something like uh, two thousand. Uh, was a thousand to one, about a thousand to one, maybe. And uh, what's and a river card? The last card. The turn is you got three cards on the flop. The turn is the fourth card. The river is the fifth card. So those those two cards are critical to the outcome of the hand. Often you turn those cards off after all the money's gone in. So you're just waiting to see the result. So what you have is you don't know what card's going to come near as much as you have an intuition about the result of, of, of your hand, good or bad for yourself. And from there you can deduce, you know, which card is the worst card possible. And when you get in one of these streaks, you, you, can, you can name it, you know, you can name it. And it's, it's, it's an eerie thing. It's an eerie thing. You know. It arises in the moment. Now, I want to make a point about this on our show at some point. Those Ryan experiments that, that Jung wrote about, in a situation like I'm describing right here, you can't put a guy in a uh, skeptics uh, are welcome, and of course they're gonna ears are gonna bristle here. But you can't put a guy in a laboratory and say, "Now name the card that's gonna come on." And the reason you can't do, and you've lost everything. You've lost the complete context and the moment, the context of the moment and the factors that are influencing this intuitive idea of what's going to happen. So now if you take him out, put him in a laboratory and say, there's a deck of cards over there. What's the 27th card down on the deck? He has nothing coming into him from the psychosphere, Bernie, from your psychosphere in this new situation that you've created in the lab that, that's going to tell him what it is. However, in the situation in which it occurred, the psychosphere was alive with information that he was picking up on, perhaps. And again, a linear player would uh, scoff, but it's real. An intuitive player knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then okay. the whole any walk of life, intuition and in any walk of life, you, you, you wrote that uh, with some of your patients in certain situations, you had a strong intuition that this or that was coming. And it's because of your expertise and the moment and uh, everything about the psychosphere that you call it that is that you are sensing to you're talking about transducing the buyers of the, the psychosphere at the end of your book, an unbelievable, unbelievable concept. But I think that is happening in that moment where that's not going to happen. If you just put somebody in a lab and say, okay, uh, is the following card going to be diamond club, heart or spade? Is that what Ryan was doing? So you got a one in four chance. And then they're trying to get people to get 27% instead of 25%. That's a different subject. That's a different subject than this special probability intuition thing where you, you've got something coming at you that's giving you the strong impression of what the result of this trial is going to be. Uh, uh, an individual trial, I call it the blessed individual, the sacred individual trial. Uh, you know, they're always talking about independent trials. But the individual trial can never be reproduced. Everything is unique. You know, every trial is unique. And Okay, so maybe enough of a rant on that. But that's a little bit of my special probability, deeply entwined with intuition. And Jung's definition of intuition, your subconscious mind is adding things up. It's not magic. It's not, you know, it's, it's not necessarily uh, psionic. It could be. But... It is, it is your subconscious, you know, it's got the greatest computer in the world is in, is behind our ears, right? It's got access to information that we don't know what it all is, but yet it comes out. Okay. And, and what's this, 
What is the relationship between intuition and the psychosphere? Well, I would say that uh, now my term for psychosphere, I love it in your book, but uh, I was using quantum field for that. If the quantum field, you know, it's everywhere, it's alive, it's percolating with information and everything. Uh, if it's there, that is where your intuition part is coming from. We have receptors. You you write in the in the, in the back in maybe the last chapter of the collecting with coincidences that uh, that we are transducing, meaning our brain, our senses take in vision, hearing, sound, and we know what's happening there, and it it transforms it electric electricity into electricity goes into our brain, and now we have the information. This can also happen in ways that we don't know fully about yet, as in sensing uh, yeah, sensing things uh, coming at us that we don't know exactly how we got it, but we, we picked it up from the psychosphere. If the, if the quantum field, which contains all, my definition uh, uh, is that it contains all knowledge, it contains all, it amplifies everything, it, is, it creates existence, all the information is there. The human brain can pick up some of that. That's a mystical viewpoint, but I, I wish I could bet on it. I wish I could bet on it. Who is it that said, Tesla said, hey, when they get into the mind and what it can really do, instead of just looking at the physical world, then they're going to make leaps and bounds that they've never made before. You know, so I've got some guys on my side that are not woo-woo. You know, this isn't the woo-woo channel. Okay. <laughs> okay, the... the the uh, potential of the mind uh, is being tapped now in kind of the things that were that you were talking about uh, the the relationship between the mind and the psychosphere which you equate with a quantum field and i suggest it's something different from the quantum field uh, it's a uh, it's more connected to earth uh, so the quantum field goes on forever. It's all over the universe. And uh, this may be a subset of the quantum field. Yes. Exactly. If, if we don't like to, uh, if, if you can do, some people don't like to divide it up. They want the universe, everything. The universe and quantum field are getting to be something similar. The quantum field is more specific. Uh, but I stay within what our Earth's atmosphere. I like to stop at the ionosphere and and keep it just with us chickens running around on Earth. And it probably is a holographic representation of something much larger. I love it. But, yeah. but I want to be able to stay with it right here and, yeah. and keep with it as a uh, place where we have interchanges. It's not just a place we go to for information but we also influence the way it operates oh, yeah. Be because we have a section of our own minds that is operating within the psychosphere as well as, yeah. and it's, that's being influenced and that influences what goes on up in there. I and love we, it. And when we, so th that's an interactive idea rather than just one way street. Yes. Yes. And I would agree. And I love your, uh, framing it as a subset of the quantum field, or it could well be, or it could be something separate, but I, yeah. Uh, 
and um, if, if the Akashic field idea would be related, right? Yeah, that keeps coming in there, Akashic record. It's the same idea as a lot of memories being stored someplace. Akashic was an old name for it. And memory in the psychosphere, but it's, it's not all easily accepted by anybody. It's something about the way you have to pattern your mind that then finds a resonating pattern in the psychosphere that then with between the two of them come you come up with something uh -huh. so our, we have relative uniqueness in all of us and that uniqueness has something to do with the patterns by which we can interact with the psychosphere and through the psychosphere interact with other minds that are also floating around in there and that that's how we get things like telepathy for example uh-huh and maybe where mozart comes from right As a and may, may, maybe where mozart comes from and or your beethoven story yeah we're strange yeah that would be a good one and strange links between consciousness i love that of course we know what entanglement is but i love the idea of entangled consciousness where two people in particular, if, if the psychosphere uh, are more very greatly attuned, I have one of these experiences, that, that it's almost uh, magical. It's almost, you recognize it. Yeah, I know this, I've recognized this, I've never seen it in my life, but I completely know this, almost to the point that I know what sentence is coming next. Uh, that type of link, uh, that type of link um, and uh, connection and familiarity, you know, it could be coming through a source like that, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's, uh, let's, now that we know that you're back in Kentucky, and what town is it? Lexington, Central Kentucky, University of Kentucky land, you know. <laughs> Lexington, uh, Kentucky. Yeah. That's why in the poker players kept calling you Kentucky. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You picked that up in the stories? Yeah, I picked it up. Call yeah, them. you wherever you're from. A lot of time it's, uh, uh, you know, if you're not from, La in the old days when it was all out in Las Vegas, I haven't been there in years because it's everywhere now. But in the old days when most, a lot of the poker was in Las Vegas, they'd call you wherever, the locals out there would call you wherever you're from and it's a put down, you know. You know, it's like you either, you're either from New York or you're not, or out there it's either you're from Las Vegas or you're not. And Kentucky's easy to make fun of, too. Yep. And, which I you got. Gonna, I was going to leave that out. <laughs> so it was probably well, a bit more of a deal on that. Yeah. Well, in, in your book, Me and My Sinks, uh -huh. strolling down the avenue, I can't help continuing that. Uh, but you call it a harrowing look into the handiwork of synchronicity. Why, why do you refer to it as harrowing? Okay, uh, I got this question the other day and, I, and I, I, I deliberated on that word and where I was gonna put the word here because here's the reason. Many synchronicities are very vanilla, garden variety, and uh, just cute, a little strange, whatever, no big deal, but just, uh, just a little minor phenomenon that we would expect to happen during life. Some of them, however, are so reality called heroin, you know. Now, now we, got, we, we got cut off there when you said so reality. So start back at that. Uh, well, I'm not sure where that point was. Um, you were saying reality pretty firmly. Okay. Uh, heroin 
yeah. certain extreme, complex, ridiculously long shot synchronicities radicalize your view of reality. Where did this come from? What is the nature of things such that this could happen and continue to happen? So that's harrowing. That, that, that is my use of harrowing there because that's not just uh, two people called each other at the same time or, and there are many good uh, vanilla flavored sinks like that, which are all cool. I've had, uh, I have a bunch of vanilla ones here, but I have some that are so strange, so super strange, I describe, that it's harrowing to try to integrate it into a, a conventional picture of reality. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the they're mind blowers in another term, yeah, yeah. and for for Jung they might be called uh, noetic uh, or something like that. Uh, I always forget, but that, they, yeah. that it, it's a spiritual experience. Uh, numinous. Uh, numinous, numinous, yeah, numinous. Jung like that, yeah, I like that too. I got to like admit, it. I have a little bias in that direction, but I'm not. I'm skeptical too, you know. So, and I feel like you are too. You're, you're, you've got some numinous in you, but you're skeptical too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I've got both. Yeah. It's, it's like um, some people go in different directions. Yeah. I think I'm tend to, I tend to be kind of balanced. So now we understand harrowing because there's like a numinous, mind-blowing, um, yeah. major change affecting uh, ones in there as they've done to you. And you've had some funny ones. I, I don't know. Uh, before we get to the 27, uh, I think your your string of 7,276,402, maybe I'm exaggerating, of losses at the heroin, at the heroin, at the harrowing table. Uh, tell us about that string and, and what it meant to you. Okay. Uh, there came... Uh, stretch about 35 years or so in my career, about five years ago. It, hey, in retrospect, you had a guy on your show that was talking about uh, cycles, the cycles of, uh, I should have got that name. I had so, I watched some of your shows. And he said at age, certain certain cycles, every 13 years or something. Do you remember the show? Uh, it's definitely your show. But anyway, uh, it happened to me at age 55. That was part of his theory at age 55. When, when you get into some new thing where you can't, the old thing doesn't work anymore. And not only that, but you can't even go back. You can't go back. It ended. It died. So what happened with me in this in this poker thing, you know, each one of these hands in the specific game I play, you've got a certain amount of, generically speaking, general probability, you've got a certain percentage chance to win each hand. Uh, once the cards are there and there's one or two cards left. So... Uh, and it's called outs. You might have 10 outs to win the pot, which means 10 cards for you. You might have 15. You might have 20 extreme examples. You might have 20 or 25. Well, there are big examples also where you have every card but one where you win the pot. You know, the guy has one out on you. So I, this this started to unfold for me where it just went to 0%. Now, I, everybody has losing streaks in poker and in and, and gambling of all sorts. Uh, and And I have a good grasp of what length of losing streak is reasonable. And uh, the longest one I ever had was about 20 sessions. This one went over 400 sessions. 400 times losing. Yeah. Sessions. No, I didn't sessions. lose all 400. I didn't lose oh. all 400. But the losing uh, was continuous 
uh, almost for the entire 400. And, and the hands that lost were, was impossible statistically. You would think, and I don't want to put this out there in a serious way, you, you, the first common explanation for this extreme of a result would be cheating. But that wasn't, you know, you have to be getting cheated. You know, but that wasn't it at all, and I'm not, and I'm not raising that. Uh, it was just an extreme. What was extreme? What what was happening in those settings? You you, you'd walk out of those settings having lost money. Yeah, that's but what you're talking much about. more so than that. You have these hands, thousands of them over the sessions, thousands of them, where you're some twenty-five percent to ninety-eight percent to win the hand. And it went, I should say, virtual 0%. It went to almost 0% over thousands of trials, um, and including these 98% where you've got 43 cards to win the pot and the other guy's got one. Well, like it was 11 times out of 17 or something, 11 times instead of one out of 100, 11 out of 17, the guy caught the one-outer. I mean, I was stuck in a pattern there, and that's that's not even the extreme part of the streak. Uh, you, you would lose when you had a high probability of winning. Yeah. And that happened yeah. times. Yeah. And that's it, not way more than several. It, it got stuck on near 0%. It was, a, it was an anomaly. It was a statistical anomaly of humongous proportions. Uh, I played for 40 years. I've never seen anything within, uh, um, well, 120th of this. Because I had a 20 session. This one was over 400. I'm, yeah. try, I'm trying to be able to to get the language to where a non-poker player can understand it. Uh -huh. uh, that, that, try to get the, the kinds of losses that you were experiencing that were low probability for losing. Okay. As uh, well as... Let me see if I can take it outside of uh, anything that's probabilistic. Uh, you, know, you know, if we put it on the roulette table and said red and black... That's not a great example. Um, but anything is probabilistic where, uh, you know, there's an expectation to the results. Okay. There obviously is a percentage expectation to the results. And the farther you get from that expectation, which always happens, you're all over the place. You're usually in the middle range. Sometimes you're at the outer range of good luck. Uh, at the lower yeah, range. That's regular probability. Yeah. That's, regular. that's all completely typical. Uh, there is an extreme outlier range where, where it's uh, only very few people ever get to that extreme outlier range, like Bobby Fisher and Chess are just an example off the top of my head. You know, very few people get to that outlier range so far from the, from the pack. So it's like that where you're so many standard deviations from what even the variability in the range would be that it's gotten impossible. Yeah. Gotten impossible land unless there's an explanation other than randomness. Yeah. So going to my grave saying there's an explanation other than randomness. That's special yeah. probability, as you call it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So when you were in the tail of this, let us say, bell-shaped curve, and you were yeah. way out where no man has gone, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. like Star Trek, you... you um, what was happening? What was the form of the losing that got you there? The form of the losing. Yeah, what did you, you lost um, at times when you thought you shouldn't lose. 
because of the yeah. probabilities were high. Yeah. And you had times when you just got dealt, dealt a lot of bad cards. Right. And those were the two ways that you kept losing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just want to, and, and it, it, it's the two uh, low probabilities are getting a lot of bad cards a lot of times and then getting some good cards and those good cards don't make it because somebody else has beaten you. Cards. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone has, yeah, somebody has one out and they keep, they keep hitting it and, uh, you're supposed to win 98% of those pots and you're winning 30% of those. Uh, you know, that's, that, that'll be good enough for okay. this part of it. Okay. Um, just to get some idea. So you had a string of losing that went on for how long? Until I finally just said, you know what? And a friend of mine said, uh, and a friend of mine, well, I was described to, he said, well, you're just not supposed to be in the poker room anymore. And that's exactly how I, I, I believed it was true. But it, it's hard to get that out of your system uh, to get to say, okay, I'm not going to play. And it's a big high to play and win. It's a huge high. I experienced that for decades, you know, and the players are good. The players are better. That's not even what I'm talking about. Uh, the results are so anomalous of this set that I'm saying as to be mathematically impossible. So there's something else. And that something else is what we're talking about. But we're talking about it. and the whole thing was uh like made to order it was queued up it was Jungian. okay it was queued up it was made to order it was a Jungian individuation thing that synchronicity it came that streak came when i was asking for it in a sense which when was, I was the, which was took five you get taken five years of losing to get out of doing poker five years of winning before and you and you're and you're uh you know, you're playing, uh, like I say, it's a big high. It's an escape from reality. Uh, there's a great quote that people go to the casino to leave the self behind. A psychologist said that to leave them, to leave the self behind. And that's what I was doing. There's a great book called Lost in the Shuffle. It's an old, <laughs> Lost in the Shuffle. it's not even about cards, it's about psychology. But how perfect was that for me? Because both the shuffle of the deck and lost in the shuffle in the sense he meant. It's a great psychology book. So the the point of this streak, I'm saying, it was so synchronous. It came, was delivered. It was delivered as an individuation nudge to me because to get real, to get real. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a a form of uh, a spiritual hiding where people uh, called spiritual bypass, where people yeah. bypass regular reality by being overly spiritual. And it's the same thing. Very familiar with it. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Well, t t tell us about February 27th, because I like that because it's my February 27th yeah. is my birthday. I just okay. had a birthday. What sync number was that? That was. Uh, That's yeah. number 24. I've got it down there. Okay. That was, uh, I was, that was a phone discussion I was having with a friend of mine. Her birthday was February 27th. So. We're talking on the phone uh, late at night, and uh, she's uh, she was living in California, and uh, she had met, as I was saying here, she had met Dean Martin, Carrie Grant, all these people. So we're always talking movies and movie trivia, and favorite movies and things like that when when we're talking. So it's it's her birthday, and it continuously things that came up in this conversation. And I have a lot of weird things around birthdays. I have a lot of little synchronicities around birthdays. So I noticed this one that. Uh, 
different people that came up in the conversation because I was looking them up as we spoke and giving her information on them. Uh, uh, several people, Elizabeth Taylor, birthday, February 27th, came up in the conversation. Joanne Woodward, birthday, February 27th, she came up in the conversation. Josh Groban, the singer, the singer, he came up in the conversation because a friend of mine had just gone and seen him live in the big Christmas uh, uh, concert he does somewhere at uh, uh, Rockefeller Center. And uh, he came up and it, it, I noticed as I looked him up, his birthday was February 27th. This is, uh, this is February 27th that we're talking. And uh, two other things came up on politics in that discussion. One of them was, uh, it was something about the women's rights. Was the women's, uh, the suffrage women, I think it was passed on a February 27th. Women's suffrage. Yes, that's it. Uh, on a, and so I'm looking these things up and February 27th is raining on me. And it's weird. You know, it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that one. Well, that's a string uh, of coincidences. There you go. Um, they're the, the, the of the kind uh, that might be called serial coincidences. Uh, but I call them object-object coincidences because you can see them. You can see them and somebody else can see them. A lot of coincidences are connections between your mind and something else. Yes. An image yes. in your mind. Yeah. But here it was objective and you yeah. had a series and yeah. they were close together, which is really yeah. a, an important part of it. Now, let, and, me give you, let me give you a message to that if I can. It was the Beethoven thing because uh, that, that the Beethoven, I was always a huge uh, fan of Beethoven. I love the music, of course, but I love that personality type. The extremely idiosyncratic, uh, almost bizarre type of personality is a favorite thing of mine. Uh, so... Uh, Bobby Fisher being another case. So uh, one night, late at night, I'm 30-something years old. I'm having this powerful intuition out of the blue to read about Beethoven. To, uh, you know, I want to read about him. I want, I, I want to read more about him. I've always been fascinated with him. Now I want to read about him. I'm tired of putting this off. And it's late at night, and uh, it's right before Christmas. And uh, I keep fighting off the urge because I'm feeling lazy. I don't want to drive to the store, as I said in my write-up here. Eventually, right before midnight, the bookstore was open till midnight. Our big bookstore right up the road here on during Christmas. They had concerts, cultural events, music, everything on the, on Friday and Saturday nights. So I knew they were going to be open. So the, the thing, the Beethoven thing, I want to read about Beethoven keeps keeps coming at me. So I, I get up, I, I eventually right before midnight, I shoot up the street, get two or three books on Beethoven. That day was his birthday. That day of uh, December 16th. Now, in history, it's unknown whether Beethoven was born on December 16th or 17th. It's one of those two days. I went at midnight on December 16th, which is both days. I walked in, you know, December 16th. I walked out on December 17th as if to symbolize with this thing coming at me, you might say from the psychosphere, this uh, impulse to go get to read about Voltaire. It was his birthday when it was coming at me. Now that's a little that's a little weird. That's that's not an ultra weird sync, but it's it's a, it's a little weird, you know. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that makes you pay attention. Yeah. It makes I think that something's going on. Yeah, so I've had and, a lot of things about birthday. And the something that's going on is we're coming to the end of our our show today, and you okay. can see you can see how fast it goes. Yes, it's, it's mm -hmm. a, and we've talked about a bunch of stuff, and we could talk about a bunch more, um, but. 
Why don't we end with uh, where you're going now in your life with the coincidence, synchronicity experiences? What's your what's your plans with them? What are they going to do okay. with you? I'm going to say this. Uh, the Jungian, uh, what I get, doctrine is what I gather is it's about the, the prevalence of synchronicity relates to individuation, uh, to self-actualization. So I'm going to say uh, if self-actualization and getting away from poker uh, or being absorbed in any pursuit that is taking you away from everything that's actually important, if, if, if that's what was needed, that this streak was delivered because I had opened myself to this. I was investigating this already. And here comes an impossible streak to reinforce it. So I'm going to say if, if self-actualization is the purpose of life in a general sense uh, for people, for turtles, for the universe itself, it is actualizing itself, then built into that whole fabric, uh, synchronicities would be waypoints along that fabric affirming your uh, path is more wise than the one that was escaping reality. That is Jungian individuation sort of as it relates to synchronicity as I understand it. So that's the path. That's the path for me. If the casino was away from the self, the new path is toward the self. Amen. Well, I think you've got a, an idea there about what individuation is and that our purpose is that and that synchronicities are guides on the path and there are tricksters who are available to trick us um, and usually the tricksters there to trick us to make us feel like maybe even if it makes us feel bad like having a medical problem yeah. uh, like I now have sciatica which is no oh. fun well I do too it's all the way down my left leg what do you uh, which leg you got it Left leg. Left leg. Starts yeah. right in the hip for me and goes down to the foot. Yeah. It's uh, it's no fun. I'm trying to see if I can do something about it. It's uh, We won't talk about our medical issues too much detail here, but, but, but we're, we're going to have to stop. But you've got the individual individuation going. And, uh, and what I have to think about with uh, having – sciatica which occurred the day after a very nice birthday party for me so i i put that together even though people might not think so i've had a little sciatica kind of trouble before this is the worst uh -huh. and so here connected to a time i had a good time with and i'm not used to having parties for me and we had a nice party it was outside but we were able to do some dancing and it was uh it was very nice. And then the next morning I wake up with uh, shooting pain in my butt and I've been limping around ever since. And it's, uh, and it's made my blood pressure go up. So it's like, uh, the pain, what, the, the pain makes your blood pressure go up fighting the pain. Is that what it is? I think so? I think mean, my blood pressure has been having trouble anyway from something else. Uh, oh. so I've been, I'm struggling with blood pressure and, um, and, uh, sciatica right now. Uh, at least I could go to the gym and it didn't hurt uh, in some places. But this is, yeah, what does it mean becomes a symbol for both of us to have sciatica 
and what's it trying to tell us about our, our individuation process? Those are the kinds of questions that I tend to ask. I get tired of them because I don't like the pain, but I, they're questions that we should be asking ourselves. Yeah, a friend of mine had a good quote, the human body isn't easy and there's a reason for it. Uh, it takes us deeper, you know, it's pain and problems like that can take us deeper into our own experience. Uh, there are stretches that are good for sciatica. There are a few stretches in particular that can be really good. They can also, depending on your problem, they can flare it worse. It's a, it's a delicate thing. Yeah. So probably try a physical therapist or something. Have you tried that yet? Yeah, I have. I'm going to go to a chiropractor. Physical right. therapist didn't add much, but I've seen a couple of stretches that seem to help. Okay. Okay. Good luck with it. Good luck with it. it can It can be stubborn or it can disappear. You know, it oh, can, yeah. I've had it before. It went away. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's hope for both of us, right. as we're saying now, we'll disappear from here, and hopefully your sciatica and my sciatica will also disappear. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for being on the show, David. Enjoy being on. Thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. Okay. This is our Consciousness